When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's League One podcast from the Look Sports Media Network. We'll be looking at all the fixtures from the weekend gone as well as the Reading situation and looking again at the transfer window as we head towards sort of the back end of January now as more uh, rumours and news comes out uh, on a transfer perspective as well. Uh, But before we get going, of course, I'm not on my own. Ollie, how are you? Very good, thank you. Mate yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And Sam? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you very much. And Seb? Yes, good, thank you. Good to be back. Uh, a little little while since I've been on here, but good to be uh, good to be amongst you guys again. Fantastic. Yeah, a couple of newer faces from the last couple of weeks, so hopefully some new perspectives as well, rather than just me and Sam having to go at Shrewsbury and sleep. <laughs> <so. laughs> um, I need to leave Shrewsbury alone this week. I'll have their lawyers on to us. <laughs> I think we'll pick time, some I'm pretty sure last time I was on, I said they were gonna that they were gonna in the most false position and slam them for about three minutes as well. So, <laughs> it's just a running theme. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Shrewsbury. Uh, yeah. But we'll um, start sort of uh, on, I guess, a more sombre note, uh, just to be gone with uh, with the the game at Bolton at the weekend. Uh, it's been announced uh, since, obviously, it was abandoned during the game because of someone in the crowd taken ill. It's been announced by the club since that Ian Perslow is seen ticket holder and lifelong Bolton fan uh, died aged 71. He was at the game with his son, Stuart. So obviously a, a really sad situation there and thoughts go to his family and friends, uh, obviously with the, the really sad news coming out of Bolton there. It's, I know it's always said, but you don't want to go to a football game and then not come back. It's just horrible what happened really on Saturday. Um, and as well, it's worth mentioning Ollie York Club, Stevenage, uh, 19-year-old Ollie Gatfield died in uh, in a car crash uh, on the way home from uh, the game on Saturday. And Liam Sharp, who he was with, is at the time of recording uh, in a coma. So hopefully he's all right um, by the time you're listening or a few days, hopefully he's all right. And obviously, um, again, thoughts go to Ollie's family and friends there. Um, so some sort of... Sad news to begin off with there. Um, we're going to start with Portsmouth and another loss for them. They 3 0 uh, loss at home to Leighton Orient this week. A few injuries, and they're really starting to sort of fade away from the top. Only one win in their last five games. Is it panic stations at Portsmouth, do we think? I like, well. Again, kind of last time I was on, we were kind of looking at sort of halfway through a season where we sort of felt teams were going to end up. And I, I did say that I felt that, I, not that I could, not that I'd say I saw this level of sort of drop off coming, 
But I do think that they've run incredibly hot um, and they've won a lot of tight games um, and kind of eventually that does catch up with you a little bit. Um, I think it's one win in six they've had now since the 23rd of December. That was against us, um, which arguably they could probably should have drawn that as well. Um, I think probably for me, the concern would be that within those six games, they've had two draws against Fleetwood and Exeter, who are 22nd and 24th in the form table across the last 20 games. Lost to Cheltenham, who, despite obviously a huge upturn in form recently, um, are still in in sort of relegation dogfight and they'd be expecting to beat. I think what's really surprised me is they're suddenly leaking some goals. They have four clean sheets in a row before this strange run. They've now turned to, I think, I think it's nine they've conceded in six games. And when you look at the size they've played and kind of their records going forward, I just think, yeah, I mean, I mean, Sam, obviously you'd have watched on, you went to the game Saturday, didn't you? Like defensively, what, like, you know, were they up to much? Obviously three goals in the first half, but. Uh, it was a, to be honest, it was a bit of a mess, to be honest. Um, our, not to discredit how good we were, um, like our press was outstanding. We pushed the two eights really high up onto the back four and, and they couldn't really get out and they resorted to a bit of long ball. Um, they're, Aglive, who's currently out injured, is I think a big miss. The option, while Jack Sparks gives you that good crossing ability in the final third, defensively he is quite poor, and we exposed that. Um, he was on the side of I think it was Short Shortnessy at left centre half, and Shaq Ford just had an absolute field day. Um, in, coming narrow, and Sparks didn't really know whether to come narrower or stay wide to deal with our fullback, who was then bombing on as well. Um, and we were really good, but to be honest, they obviously missed a penalty um, at two 0 and that would have completely changed the game because the crowd have been would have been up for it. Um, but as it was, it was a really poor penalty from uh, Bishop. I know the Portsmouth fans have been on his back quite a bit recently, which probably has affected his confidence. And when you've got a goal scoring striker like that, the last thing to do is start giving them grief if they're scoring your goals. Um, but other than the penalty. Um, they weren't really much for it. Lots of crosses into the box. Every clearance, we we were really, 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 really good. Um, and considering that's the first time we've scored three in a league game since October 2022 when we beat Bradford, and we're, we're not a free-scoring team, but uh, Dan Aji absolutely run the show. He's outstanding. Yeah, I think like uh, the, the other thing, I guess, the Port, well, obviously, like you say, not taking anything away from Orient whatsoever. But, I mean, to answer kind of the question about Portsmouth, that it wasn't long ago they looked like they were a long way clear, was it? And now suddenly they're only seven points clear of seventh. Um, I was look, looking at their fixtures earlier. They have got a really, really nice run coming up, though. Their next nine includes an out of form Oxford twice. They play Fleetwood, Port Vale, Carlisle, and Reading. So, I do think if they're, you know, if they're going to address that slide, um, they've certainly kind of got the fixtures to do. I think it's pretty much March before they're playing a real in-form big side. Um, so they've certainly got the fixtures to turn it around. I guess it's just a case of what they do in January to kind of steady that ship a little bit. Yeah. The, 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 the... Go on. So go on, I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to say, but we, we talked about this. They're still top of the league. Not miraculously. The, with Bolton and Derby and Peterborough, if they win games in hand, they can drop to fourth, though. Seven. So it is, even though they are top of the league, it's, maybe it is a worry for themselves. I, I was just about to sort of echo some of what you say, that there is, that there's only one point between them, them and second, uh, currently Peterborough, that although, as both Ollie and Sam have said, you know, earlier on in the season, they, they would seem to be running away with it. Actually, the other sides have caught up. So although... Uh, I guess we could look at it in terms of Portsmouth dropping off. We can also see on the other side, side to take advantage of that. Uh, you know, Derby tonight, if if they win, uh, I think it's currently still no at the moment, but if they win, they've just, they just scored 1 0. Oh, oh, so they'll go up to second then now. Um, and then you've got a feed oh, that's behind the, there, so haven't you? Well, I, I, yeah, just on a live, uh, it's clearly <laughs> not live, but it, they'll go up to second and uh, I think. It's more or less just uh, on the same point. It's just goal difference separating then, or at least one point in it, or, or something like that. It's, it's very close. Uh, so as much as though we sort of uh, demise in Portsmouth, I think we ought to be praising the sort of the, side, the other sides as well, sort of taking advantage of uh, a dipping form, but from Pompey. I think it's yeah, natural I mean, as well. Every team will eventually have a blip. But the, I think the, the concern for Portsmouth is this happens every single year. They're always around the top three or four. 
January comes around and they just completely capitulate and fall outside the playoffs. I I still don't, as bad as they were Saturday, I still don't think they will completely capitulate and drop outside the playoffs. Um, I'm hoping they've learned, for Portsmouth's sake, learned their lessons and will recruit smartly this January rather than just going, we'll just go with what we've got. Um, it's clear they do need two or three players just to freshen up the squad, add some bit more depth. But they're in such a strong position and I think to hit the panic station button as a fan at the moment, while you're still in a strong position, is um, not needed at the moment. And also, the playoff race is very tight in itself. So even if they do drop off, you know, it's likely that another team will also drop off. So then they'll, they're, they're going to get another opportunity, if it's next week, if it's a week after, to then jump up and, and, and sort of push in towards the top two spaces. So it's very tight in there. So even if they did drop off one week, they can easily just uh, gain themselves in the next week or, or even the week after. Yeah, it's one of the, the couple of injuries as well. I, I mean, the one that I pick out is obviously we're putting on Lincoln is Regan Paul, obviously left in the summer for Portsmouth and that big injury he got uh, against Chesterford, wasn't it, in the FA Cup about a month ago now. They've, they seem to have, maybe it's like correlation or causation, you don't know, but they've a couple of injuries in key players. Well, that, that's what you don't want is a sort of, uh, in terms of uh, a side pushing for promotion, you don't want your, your sides, uh, your best players in your side to, to get an injury. But it's inevitable. You're gonna, it's going to happen one way or another. And it's for, for, Port, for Portsmouth, it's just bad luck that uh, the person that has been injured has been one of the, sort of the standout defender of the season for them so far. Yeah, Sean, Sean Raggett's not, he's not a terrible defender, but he's a different type of defender to Paul. Um, Regan Paul can pick a pass into midfield and break the lines where I don't think Raggett is that type of defender. He's more ball into the box, I'll edit away. Um, so that there is a difference in terms of technical attributes, shall we say, which probably affects them a little bit in terms of the way they play as well. We spoke about that at the time, didn't we, and said that that was potentially going to be a big miss, just more stylistically than anything else. Like, we, you know, we said Raggett can defend, um, but it's what, you know, it's what what they're missing in terms of build-up play from the back. Um, that, well, I mean, clearly there has been a drop-off defensively as well. Um, whether whether Raggett coming into a confident side um, just slotted straight in. The Black Blackpool not four past them, didn't they? And then maybe that that perhaps sort of just sort of send that confidence a little bit. Mm. Another team uh, with troubles a lot, I guess, very different troubles off the pitch rather than on it, it is Reading, obviously. And the, the weekend, uh, there was the pitch invasion calling for the owner to go and the game there got abandoned against Port Vale. Lots coming out that a lot of players might be leaving. Offers for Charlie Savage have been rejected um, from Stockport and Derby is what the um, the wasn't the newsroom, as you want to call it. And the EFL released a statement today on Monday, time of recording, um, and it said, we urge Mr. Dye either to fund the club adequately or to make immediate arrangements to sell his majority shareholding to appropriate new owners. So the EFL really have sort of a really sturdy stance that they want um, Dai Young, the chairman, to either leave or put money in. And it seems like they're the only two solutions to the problems they've got at Reading. I don't, I don't know what else the FA can do here, but it does feel very much like, I mean, their answer here again is they've put, they've put another fine in, haven't they? I think they've fined them £50,000 this time round. I mean, that's not working, right? You know, you can sit and fine them, you can sit and throw more points deductions. That doesn't doesn't seem to be hugely motivating for Mr Young to, to come and, and do anything about it. I don't, I don't really know, kind of, like, I'm not, not sort of suggesting the FA can do much more than that, but it does feel like a bit of a strange situation, doesn't it? And that, I mean, what do Reading fans do? Do they just carry on doing what happened on Saturday just until he goes? Like, does, does every game just get called off until he leaves? It's, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I don't, I don't think the EFL or the FA just have the power to go, right, we're not going to have you as owner anymore because I don't think that's that's probably going to open a whole, a whole legal can of worms. But it, it's, a, it's a shambles that they even pass the fit and proper bollocks tests ages ago anyway because they owned a club i think it was in china um, before they took over reading and that went bust within two years so they've already had one failed expedition in football in china that went bust they've come over to reading they pumped a load of money in in the first season because they wanted a premiership football club that didn't work out and then they've gone right we're going to try and cut our losses here and then they've ruined 
absolutely ruined a pretty historic football club. And the news in terms of covering this from our mainly Sky has been really, really, really poor. Um, It's not because they're not a premiership football club. It's the, the coverage is it's not got the notice it's deserved until the fans have taken drastic action stopped another another game and for, full credit to them not and um, if it's the only way to actually get recognized by media sources then it, it's a fairly similar situation to what we had with the nutty geezer whose name I'm, is banned from mentioning in orient fans mouths um, we had to run on the pitch against colchester to actually get some media attention and for us thankfully it worked and hopefully it is the case for reading and it does work that is why that seems to be why they've done it, isn't it? It's the hope that it does bring media attention, isn't it, sir? Yeah, yeah, and it is. It's a sad state of affairs. No, no, none of us want to see a football club being sort of uh, being run like this. In terms, you know, fans running on the pitch just to get to get their owner out of the club. It's 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 really sad to see. I guess none of us want it ever happen to our club, and you don't. Uh, so, sort of, if if. And uh, Reading fans, you know, I've, I've got my full sympathy, and, and I guess everyone else here as well, because they, they have been calling for for action for years, and nothing's happened. So they've clearly had enough, and, and rightly so, did what they did on on Saturday. Yeah, I know we talked last week about uh, the assistant manager and the director of player development uh, being forced out as well, just of a uh, financial pressures that was put down to, and it's like I'm sure we'll come back to it next week if there's a further development that. Hopefully, it'll be in a week or two. We'll be able to get a bit, a little bit closer to hopefully someone uh, coming in to take over Reading because it seems like that is the only way forward, isn't it? That they can sort of save the club is to bring in someone new to take over. I think the concerning thing is all the rumours about takeovers have gone absolutely silent. Like we had obviously three or four mm. rumoured people coming in to take over in like October time, and everything's just gone quiet. Now that can either mean something is going on in the background and it's just not gone to the media. But surely, surely someone's going to have leaked something to say somebody's in contact with the club and the owners to make a sale. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate because the geezers probably in China are not giving an absolute toss, to be honest. Mm. It makes you, makes you wonder kind of what sort of exactly just how much of a mess it is as well, right? If, you know, a club that size that's got the ready-made infrastructure, they've got it in place. And at a time where sort of plenty of rich businessmen seem to be wanting to come into football. Reading feels like it'd be a quite quite a nice, almost mm. e- easy easy win. You go in there and get, get attendances up and, and, and you'll be a, a huge fish in League One. So if people if people are having conversations there and are pulling out, um yeah, it's it perhaps perhaps a bigger mess than maybe we even understand. Mm. A game though that did finish was Cambridge against Fleetwood and Cambridge, a 91st minute winner in that one. Um, and Charlie Adam, he still hasn't got his first win or his first point as a manager. Uh, 12 games overall for Fleetwood without a win. And I'd look back in league games, two points from the last possible 30. I mean, it's a really dire situation there as well, isn't it? I like, I, I don't know what everyone else thinks about this. I was looking through the Fleetwood squad this morning. I just don't feel like they should be as bad as they are. Like I look, I look at players like you know Brandon Weirdo, Jaden Stockley, Jack Marriott, Danny Mayer, uh, Ryan Broom, Josh Earl. Like all all of those players are more than capable of keeping. You know they're adequate League One players, aren't they, to keep to keep them in division? But they're they're just they're a shambles defensively, aren't they? I think they've conceded forty seven goals, I think it is, in twenty six games, mm-hmm. which is six more than any other side. Um, yeah, I mean they're eight points from safety. I I can't really see a way out there. I no, I was re- I I was really surprised when Charlie Adam went. You know, I, we you had the whole Lee Johnson taking over when he first took over. I think people thought, okay, things are going to change here. You know, manager uh, managing League One before uh, didn't work out. They got rid of him. You know, after a pretty short tenure, and then they brought in Charlie Adam for his first managerial job at the bottom of League One. Hoping that they'd get them out of the survival, I don't, I don't, I didn't really agree with that, and I, well, I still don't. So, I think it's a massive ask to ask someone that's never managed a football club to come in and save them from relegation. And you know, yes, they've not got the points on board. Yes, you know, uh, you said there about about the lack of points in in the last, uh, you know, so many games. It's a big amount of games, but 
I don't think it's helped bringing in Charlie Adam. Uh, you know, he's obviously experienced, obviously never managed before, and results are not good in his favour because he's never been in that situation before. He doesn't know how to deal with a relegation fight as a manager. And yeah, it's not looking likely with um, eight points adrift from safety. Um, but even still, it's not it's not great to get someone like him in. It, yes, you know, he's a good player, but um, it, it, it's a massive challenge for someone that's never managed a football club before. Yeah, for him to leave like um, a pretty stable job with Burnley's youth team as well, there's got to have been some sort of discussion about long-term planning. Um, you'd like to think that what they had twenty odd, twenty-three odd games when he came in, and more than likely, you they probably he probably thinks they will go down in the back of his mind. So he's got to have had some sort of uh, confirmation from the owner that if they do go down, he can rebuild this team to try and get them back up at the first time of asking. But considering they've got this is the third manager in twenty-six games already, I don't know if he will get the. The chance that if they go down to rebuild the squad, um, I like you said was surprised that they actually went with Charlie Adam, um, a man who's got no experience of managing. It's very good managing youth teams, but it's a different kettle of fish when you come to manage a senior team, as we saw with uh, I can't remember his name, but the Forest Green manager, for example, because um, they they're, they're a mess as well. Um, it's not a case of you can you can manage under twenty ones and you can manage senior players. It's a completely different kettle of fish. Mm. I mean, I've spoke to managers that have done both, and the the thing you get from it is that you're working with the under twenty ones. It doesn't matter what the result is. It's like it's all about developing players rather than winning games. And obviously, Charlie uh, comes into fleet with a team that needs results quick, and it's just completely opposite, isn't it? Uh, I know we said at the time it looked. A risky one, and maybe the only uh, silver lining is that they actually had more shots and more shots on target than Cambridge, which surprised me when I had a look um, at the stats of that one. But no points uh, from that one. We will uh, have a quick dash through the the other League One games. Well, Charlton and Peterborough is the big game. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But we'll talk. Uh, obviously, we talked about Leighton Orient, the game you were at, Sam. But Seb, your team Barnsley, a two-one win against Bristol Rovers. Yeah. Um... To be fair, Bristol Rovers came out, uh, they had a good spell. It was just after the second half. They, they evidently had some sort of uh, inspirational talk from, from Matt Taylor. So the first 20 minutes of the second half, they came out and we just sat back and they just came and, you know, attack after attack after attack. But other than that, they didn't really offer that much. First half, we were all over them sort of attacking, pressing. They just they just couldn't deal with us. Um Every they defended things really well. Every cross into the box, they cleared away. You know, every every ball in, headed away. Every set piece was out. So they were tough to break down. We eventually broke them down just before half time, and then they came out fighting second half, and they got their goal. And then against the run of play, then we we got a goal. But it it was uh, it's a good win to be fair for for Barnes. It means that we're nine unbeaten in the league. If we win on on Tuesday night against Carlisle, that that's ten. Um, so it's looking pretty good. Currently sitting sixth at, at the moment. Uh, yeah, it, it's looking good. Um, obviously, could could be looking better. We could be slightly higher up the the playoff spots. You know, pushing for for the top two. But I'm not complaining. And we've just signed a new new defender as well. Um, Donovan Pines, uh, six foot five from from America. Uh, so I'll, I'll be Is excited. Six foot to... five left back. Well, is it I Dan Burns? Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's uh, yeah. Donovan Pines, I think, is a centre half, uh, but oh, he's okay. not played not played since October. So might be a couple have, of weeks be- before we see him. Have you just signed in to deal with the aerial bombardment you'll get on Saturday? Uh, I, well, we've been needing a defend a tall defender for a long time, so I want to say no. We managed we, we managed uh, well against Stevenage just before Christmas, uh, but I guess it's, it's a bit more of a threat. Uh, given we're away from home, but yeah, it was good win, good win on Saturday, um, and hopefully we can repeat that on Tuesday. How are, Seb, also, go on. how are Bristol Rovers? Seb? I've seen quite a lot of people sort of talking them up as a side that they think that might put a bit of a run together and perhaps gate crash the playoffs a little bit. Yeah, they were they were they were okay. They had um, sort of inverted uh, wing back, so they had Luke Thomas on the right. And Harvey Vale on the left uh, as the wing backs, both attacking players. 
uh, but both on the opposite side. So they did kept running, kept inverting it and running in in the channels, uh, which did cause us some caused them some troubles and, and caused our defence a few issues as well. So it did work. They were very attacking. Uh, the game was end to end, but uh, they did leave because they were running inside. They did leave a lot of gaps. Uh, in, you know, in the width, in the wide areas. Um, but up top, they, they had uh, Martin and Brown, who uh, they caused some, some physical issues as well. Uh, so the, they, were, they were a good side and they were uh, very attacking, very fast-paced. They just um, couldn't deal with us. But at, at the minute, they're sitting 11. So I wouldn't put it past them to, to have a bit, bit of a run. Uh, and, and they did show some promising signs as well. I think it's 20 games in a row that they've scored in Bristol Rovers and they're, they're mid-table, aren't they? So maybe it's if they come to sort of keeping a few more out, then they'll be looking in the right direction. But you mentioned uh, Stevenage, Seb. Ollie, that's the, the next place we go. A 1-0 win away at Shrewsbury. Sort of, any thoughts on that? Um, a little bit of a nothing game. Um, not a whole lot of chances. I think it was something like 0.8 XG across the whole game from both sides. Um, just kind of two sides that kind of cancel each, each other out, really. I was very, very surprised at Shrewsbury's setup. Um, we're a side who, you know, won't surprise anybody that we're obviously very direct and therefore possession stats for us are relatively low. I think we average something like 40% away in our home, in our, sorry, away in games. And in the first half, Shrewsbury lets have 62% of the ball, and we're just not that side. Um, so to sit that deep at home um, against, okay, granted, you know, side who are up, up there in, in the sort of upper echelons of the table. But, you know, I just, I, I, was, I was surprised they didn't give it more of a go. Um, it, kind of, it kind of felt like they were set up for the point. And um, like I said, no, no huge chances. Um, game kind of looked like it was just sort of meander into a nil-nil. Um, and then Jake Forstakowski put through Jamie Reid um, and... Jamie Reid does what Jamie Reid does and just scores goals at the moment um, and just can be counted upon. Um, interestingly, probably one of the more composed finishes he's had this season. He's renowned amongst our fan base as being a striker that instinctively scores great goals, but misses. I mean, he must have missed six, seven clean three one-on-ones in the season. So he can be a bit frustrating, but finish this one really nicely. I mean, for me, I kind of, kind of go back on what Seb said earlier, that it feels like at the moment, and maybe it's just because we're up there as well, it does feel like every week the top six sides are winning um, with the exception of Portsmouth and that gap is closing. You could see on Saturday, you know, you've got sides like Peter going to tough games at Charlton and winning, um, you know, Barnsley, Barnsley getting a decent result against Bristol Rovers. It felt like a game Stevenage had to win. Um, and, you know, if we, the game, we, we've, we've been sat with sides having games in hand on us for a while now. And so if we'd drop three points there and then, Say if we if we don't beat Barnes at the weekend, maybe you're looking at a side dropping out rather than kind of challenging. So, I think it was a really important three points. Um, one of those ones where I think if the, the goal changes your whole perception, you come away from it really pleased about a, a, a good solid win as opposed to actually a bit of a nothing performance. But yeah, one of those where you, you, you take the points all day long. Can I just pick some of what you said? A li- little bit of a tangent, but Oli, do you feel like after you've won a game and you look at the league table, do you almost feel like a little bit disappointed that despite winning and getting the three points, there's no real progress in, in the table and standings? Yeah, I, I've, I've kind of felt like that, like I say, over the past sort of, you know, five, six weeks um, in that sort of top bracket of teams. I think if you look at, the, again, if you look at the form table across like the last 10 games, I'm pretty sure the top seven are the top seven. Team. Maybe I think Northampton might be the only side that aren't in the top seven. So, you know, you've got teams like Derby, Peterborough, Bolton, who just keep winning. Um, you've obviously put a good run together. Um, Blackpool feel like they're picking up a little bit of steam. We've kind of been consistent enough to stay there. But yeah, I mean, it is, yeah, it is, it's frustrating. Um, I, I think ultimately it's going to be tight and it's going to come down to how well you perform in those games against the sides and around you there. Yeah, that top seven or eight sort of pulling away a little bit, aren't they, with Stevenage and Blackpool right at the bottom of um, sort of that section. And Blackpool, they had a 2-0 win at home to Exeter. No real surprise, um, a home win for them. Oxford, back to winning ways away at Carlisle. 1-1 between Northampton, you just mentioned there, against Wigan. And the other one was another 1-1 with Lincoln scoring a 98th-minute equaliser. 
at Wickham. It was Ethan Orahan uh, from a corner because they can't score from open play still. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to the um, the transfer section later on. But a, a last minute, last gap equaliser, if you like, and sort of salvaging a point ends a run of four losses in a row. Even though it's it's not a win, it's eight games now we've had a win, but. A draw is better than nothing, and sort of they'll be hoping they can kick on from that. And they had a, a, a really dodgy disallowed goal. Now, see if you can sort of find it, people listening and watching, if you can find it on Twitter or wherever. But it, it, no one can sort of figure out why it's been disallowed. Apparently, Michael Scobada talking, he thinks it was an offside, uh, but the player that got flagged offside didn't touch the ball. So they, they weren't too sure of why it had been disallowed, but a draw uh, rather than a win there. Um, the other League One game. Uh, we haven't talked about is Charlton uh, against Peterborough, and we'll talk about that after this quick ad break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So, as we said there, we'll move on now to Charlton against Peterborough. Another win for Peterborough, another loss for Charlton. And sort of, how do we assess that game? I think Peterborough are going to win the league. I just think that they are so, so strong going forward. And they just seem to be hitting their straps massively. That, like, you know, I, I look at the run they've had here. I think they've played Barnsley, Derby, and Charlton in back in three games in a row. Um, and they've taken seven points from those, of which you know they travel obviously on the on the road at Charlton, on the road at Derby. I just don't. I I, I just think that they're frightening coming forward, especially out wide. Um, and I actually thought get up against Charlton, they, it would be an interesting game because Charlton probably I would say that the only other side who can match them in terms of strengths out wide and just how direct their wingers are. Um, but they just they, they just they just get goals. Um, they're, they're you know they're a side who. Again, going back to kind of what Seb and I were saying, every single week, you feel like, you feel like they, you know, they get pegged back to one one, and you think, okay, they might drop some points. They just seem to be finding ways to win. You know, late late winner at Derby, seventy um, fifth minute winner here, and two more goals from Mason Clark, who just can't stop scoring. Um, yeah, but for, for me, it, unless something drastic happens with the sale of big players, um, which doesn't seem to be happening. Um, I don't. I, I can't see another side challenging them to, to win the league. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. To be fair, and I think their attack in particular is strong. I think people were were a bit uh, puzzled. You know, when when Ferguson has come out and said that he doesn't really want Johnson Clark Harris to play, but in previous seasons he's been their main man. You know, he was placed on the on the transfer list over the summer. Didn't manage to get rid of him, but they're still finding a way to win without him. And it's it's Poku and Mason Clark, you know, uh, but both both wingers either side, um, they were just sort of their star men, if you like, this, this season. Uh, but there were big question marks in the summer that the fact that Johnson Clark Harris was was on the transfer list and how they were going to survive without him. Well, they've clearly answered all the critics uh, so far this season. But yeah, I'd agree with you. To be fair, I think they could be the ones to uh, to push the top two. Um, and get a spot in the championship next year. They've also got that experience from what happened last year with them, haven't they? As well, when they uh, have one of the best games of football I think I've ever watched from <laughs> at Hillsborough. Um, so the younger players, which they have like Clark and Poku, they'll be using that experience this year in in terms of the running when the pressure actually 
uh, comes into it. And for a side that scores so many goals, they don't concede many either. The big one is to keep hold of Ronnie Edwards, and they've already rejected, I believe, bids from West Ham and Crystal Palace as well. So, and their owner's message has always been pretty consistent. He doesn't need to sell, and he knows if they do go up, you can add another two, three million pounds onto their price tag. And if he does sell them with their recruitment structure in place, they usually get a player that will become as good as them. And I think if they do go up, they're going to be in a better place to survive than if when they were last time, um, especially with Mason Clark. If you put Mason Clark and Poku into the championship, they are going to cause, they'd cause any fallback, I think, in the championship a problem just with their directness and pace. Because the last thing you want as a fallback is a winger where you don't know which way he's going to go, who's a really good dribbler and can finish as well, to be honest. Um, so if you, if you keep them two, I think they'll be, if you keep them fit, I, I agree with everyone here that they will win the league. And, and, and as for Charlton as well, obviously they are uh, set to sign Clark Harris from, from Peterborough. I think they'll want him in and, and, and as quickly as possible. They've already got Connor Coventry from West Ham and uh, Macaulay Gillespie from, from Plymouth. So they are making moves in, in the transfer window so far. And they have the, the signs are there that, that they want to improve the squad. You know, uh, Coventry is a midfielder, Gillespie a defender, and then Clark Harris, uh, a striker up top, you'd assume to partner Alfie May. So they are trying to improve the squad. It's just going to take a little bit of time. You've I find teed me up perfectly there, Sam. Um, Seb, sorry. It's Davin Ferguson said after the game that they've accepted an offer from Charlton, but they're a long way off on the personal terms. Seems to be what Ferguson said. And then Michael Appleton was asked, sort of relayed what Ferguson said and apparently he said, yeah, what he said. So uh, it, that seems to be the situation that it's been accepted, but the personal terms have become the issue there. Um, so be interested to see if that does happen. I, I'm, I'm quite interested to see that if they do pick him up, what they do system-wise. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, I, I I know Alfie May has got has has dropped slightly, almost slightly deeper into almost a little bit of a ten role creatively at points this season, but they you know they 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 seem like a squad sort of set up for wide players and uh, and a, a lone man up top. So like, I think I, I think it's a bit of an interesting signing, really. I mean, like it's it's not it's not like Alfie May's gone there and not done it, is it? I, I just, I'm not yeah, sure what they need. The, the games this year have been, I think, mainly four three three or three four three. So either either way, they, they just play with the one central striker, which has up until this point been 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 Alfie May, and then the two wingers either side. So yeah, it, it's quite interesting. I don't know if it'd be one and all the other, or they'll find some way of fitting them both in somehow. Because they are they are two great strikers, and, and Alfie May is up there in terms of uh, the top goal goal scorers in in the league. So you wouldn't want to drop him. Although he has sort of, oh, he dropped off a little bit for him in the past few weeks, but he's not a player that you, you want to drop really. And the, the, we all know the quality he he brings and he, he, he a side like Charlton need. But then equally, when you've got this option of uh, Clark Harris, again, we we also know the, the talent and qualities that we he has as well. So it's a re- real a real sort of uh, headache, I guess. Are you ready for a, a great Alfie May stat to blow your mind? Something I read. Unfortunately, I don't know who it was, but I read this on Twitter today. Uh, Alfie May has scored one more goal than Shrewsbury, apparently, and Shrewsbury a level on points with Charlton, which is bonkers. I was just about to say that to get my Shrewsbury tax in for the week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wait that... till next week now, Sam. <laughs> Yeah, they're down in 13th now, Charlton, and they're level on points with Shrewsbury as well and the four other teams. They're, they're level on points with 17th in the table, which is just crazy to think. 16 points off the playoffs now, Charlton. And I think they've got to be May's careful. Still scoring, isn't he? Yeah. They've got to be careful because they're only four... I know, I know there's a million teams between them, but they're only four points above Exeter in 21st. And with the form they're on, mm. there's nothing to say. Nothing is guaranteed in football that they won't fit. I don't think they will. But nothing is guaranteed to say you could be in that relegation dogfight. It you is, can sign it all these players. Run. It's some run there on, isn't it? Without you know, without yeah. without picking up many points. I mean, like let's say a lot. Last time they won, they beat Cheltenham on the twenty eighth of November. They've not won since. Yeah. But it's you know they're, they're not. I, I I was sort of I find them a bit of a strange side. I've been waiting for them to kind of kick on under mm. Appleton, and, and I thought when he first went there, they sort of showed signs of life, and that actually it looked like they were going to sort of. You know, really be strong, but um, yeah, in, in, in interesting position for their for their season at the moment. 
Yeah, sort of hanging in the balance there a little bit. And a few other things that are hanging in the balance as we go are the transfer business that we've got going around. And Cole Stockton, or the first one we'll talk about, it looks like he's agreed a deal with Barrow in League Two. Apparently, Charlton and Stevenage were both after him. And it seems to be Barrow is where Burton's number nine is going to go. What do we sort of think about Cole Stockton dropping down a level? I think it's just geographical, isn't it? I think that that was always going to... like. He's, he's been rumoured about coming to Stevenage for a couple of months now, um, which is interesting in itself because we've got a lot of options up top. Um, but I think the challenge was always going to be a guy who's generally been up north for most of his career, um, trying to persuade him to come south of the Watford Gap. Um, wasn't necessarily going to happen. Um, and Well, I, I guess Barrow is just geographically it must work must work for his family and, and, and those sorts of things i mean equally you've got to be looking from the outside excited about the, the project pete wilde's putting together there right mm. you know it, you can go i guess if you're you are a stockton looking at you know where he's had his best time periods at morecambe side who historically struggled to go and potentially be one of the you know the, the central central fit up top for a team that are going to be challenging at the top end of E2, maybe that's a, a nicer option than mid-table with Charlton or being not necessarily, you know, the start in number nine for Stevenage. I don't know, but... That, yeah, they're, uh, they're a team that need goals, aren't they? So it looks like if he goes to Bower, they'll be, he'll be straight in. Yeah, I do, I yeah, do I think they've got Don Telford, haven't they, out there? Like, but hasn't really caught fire there, has he? Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, they're, 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 like that could be the kind of final piece of the jigsaw there for them. That that means they do challenge the the Stockports and the Mansfields rather than sort of dropping into the playoffs. That that step. whole that whole thing in, in the summer was a was a little bit weird. Sort of Stockton saw out his contract, got got his move, and then here we are six months later that it's not not worked out. And it it would be interesting the fact that he is is set to drop a division, but. If he does that, he's got the prog- he's got the, as Ollie said, the uh, the Pete Wilde, if you like, uh, sort of uh, what's the word uh, structure that is is going to going to join join something that he's building uh, the, project, on, on the, yeah. the project. That's it, yeah. That, that's, that Pete Wilde is building at Barrow, but it is interesting the fact that you know just six months ago when he was out of contract that there were loads of clubs after him. He was on he was in great form, and uh, you know the grass isn't always green, as I say. Sam, what do you think? No, I think it's a. I echo what everyone said. I think it's a good move for for Stockton to go there and try to be a a hero at a club that's definitely definitely on the up. If you get Barrow into League One and you score ten goals between now and the end of the season, you, you get them promoted. You're going to be renowned as a hero there. Strikers are always renowned as heroes when they're scoring goals. And for Barrow, they need a someone who can. I think score. Cause I don't think their strikers have got more than four goals. I don't think Barrow. Um, so they need someone that can get into them double figures um, and Barrow do create chances and they're in an excellent place in the league so why not go there and try and get a promotion medal to you, on your CV mm. It's Burton isn't it that Stockton's at Yeah Yeah, yeah so I, I find that interesting the fact that they have just got the new manager in Martin <laughs> Passon that he doesn't want to stay and sort of uh, see where he fits in his plans but instead he'd rather get that move away to, The Dino to... factor <laughs> but it is, you know, it's, you know, fair, you know, fair enough. Some players don't fit under managers and whatnot. But there's a new, a new manager come in. You know, he's barely been there a couple of days, and and already Stockton looks like like he's set to move. So it's interesting for me that the, the new manager hasn't come in and said, "Hang on, let's just hold that move for a couple of days. Let's see how you train, and and if if you train well, then I'll put you in the side here at Burton rather than him making that move." Yeah, it's weird because I think I remember earlier in the season, I'm pretty sure Bolton, uh, not Bolton, Burton played him out on the wing. So, I mean, he's, he, <laughs> could you imagine a Cole Stockton out wide? He's not exactly going to beat his man, is he? He's just there for the back post headers and Burton didn't, they've got one of the lowest crosses in the league, I, I'm reading. So, you're not playing to his strengths at all. Um, and they've only scored 21 goals, which I think is the fourth least in the league. So, Cole Stockton has a season of scoring 20-odd goals for Morecambe, so he can score goals if you play to his strengths. And goal-scoring number nines, as we all know, are so sought after, especially at League One, 
that if you if you've got someone like that, you may need to change your style a little bit to suit them. But for Cole Stockton, it's get the ball out wide and get it in the box. That's that is what he's good at. And a club in Burton's sort of position, you'd think you'd just play basic, get the ball out wide, get it in the box. Yeah. Another striker that this is someone I've I've got quite a soft spot for uh, Jack Mario, who's going to talk about now. Another striker scores goals, but Fleetwood are going to make him available by the sounds of it. And it's interesting to see no real rumours about where he's going to be going as of yet. But where do we think a Jack Marriott would fit? Do we think he's going to go to another League One club or maybe like Cole Stockton, he'll drop down to League Two? What do we think? I could see him being a big money signing for. A Wrexham, or a, 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 I think he's got the cut. He's got he's got the profile, hasn't he? That he just kind of fits mm. with that. He's got the goal scoring record. He's coming towards the back back end of his career. Um, that for me feels like I don't I don't know what the you know the need for that is at those sorts of clubs in Leeds at the moment. But I think if there is anyone that has got a bit of financial clout behind them and could do with a striker um, in League Two, I can see them coming in for him and and that being kind of a last hurrah for him. Yeah, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago regarding uh, Fleetwood and maybe Jack Marriott's not going to want to be part of a relegation team and um, Fleetwood obviously need to reduce their wage bill because if they do go down with a wage like Jack Marriott's and they've, probably, they've got another one in like Jaden Stockley as well and people like that are going to be on quite big money. Um, maybe if Charlton don't get Clark Harris, I think Jack Marriott would be a good pickup for them. Someone who's proven at League One level, scores goals. Um if Jordan Rhodes obviously went back, which doesn't, I don't think it's going to happen now, that, that would be an option for Blackpool. Shrewsbury, obviously, they, they could do with someone who could just put the ball in the in the back of the net. Um, Cambridge don't now because they got Lyle Taylor, which I think is yeah. an excellent signing. Um, but then you're obviously looking at Cheltenham won't be able to afford him. Carlisle don't look like they're going to, they've obviously got bought Luke Armstrong. Um, so I, I would say... I would have said Lincoln before, but I don't think he fits the age sort of bracket that Lincoln tried to recruit. So I'd probably, I'm going to say Charlton or Charlton, Port Vale or Shrewsbury would probably be the three that will probably be looking at a striker. Interesting stuff. You mentioned both of the teams we're going to come on to though, actually, Sam. So with Lincoln and Carlisle, we'll start with Carlisle. Um, sort of spending a little bit of money in this January, aren't they? Since obviously the takeover that came through, they've signed goalkeeper Harry Lewis from Bradford in League Two and they've had bids rejected for Swindon Loney Jake Young, he scored 16 goals in League Two. He's only behind uh, Macaulay Langstaff by, I think it's four goals. He's the only person above him in uh, the rankings there. It's an interesting time for Carlisle. Maybe it's what they need, a few new faces and a bit of money spending to pull them away from that relegation zone. Yeah, they're interesting, these, aren't they? I mean, again, they're a side that just before Chris said something, we were kind of reviewing stuff. I think I hammered their squad a little bit and kind of said that I don't, don't really think it's a League One squad by any stretch. And then within a couple of days, they'd gone and bought Armstrong and they, and they, they'd strengthened quite significantly. I just, I mean, apart from the fact, obviously, they say it's obviously financial in terms of the takeover, like, it's just a bit late. Like, like I just think that, you know, that you come up into it, the promotion they had was similar to us, was very much out of the blue. And we probably did come up in slightly different financial situations, but comparing kind of how we approach things to, to to how they kind of went about it i just i it's chalk and cheese you know we we ripped up we ripped up a squad that finished second and and built built a league one ready side it felt like they came up a bit naive and kind of thought that the, the style was, was, was going to just keep them up there um so i'm i'm, I'm pleased i'm pleased for their fans that, that, they're, that they're giving it a go especially because i do think it's despite the fact i think they've been really poor this season i think that it's tight enough down there that two or three investments in January can be the difference between shifting you possibly out, out of the bottom four. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see how how Luke Armstrong does there and how, how well he adapts to coming away from Harrogate and and how just just how well he fits in up there. Um, but if he gets hits the ground running, I think yeah, they, they've they've made a really good sign in there. That that yeah. other side in Harry Lewis is quite an interesting one as well because uh, Barnsley were actually after him in the summer, and we had uh, I think it was a couple of bids rejected for for him, uh, and they've let him go to Carlisle I think for about half the money or something like that. And he's been ever present for for Bradford. I think a lot of fans are, are rightfully quite annoyed. Uh, you know, he's played every, every minute of every league game this this season and last season when they got to the playoffs, and uh, they, they rejected the bids for almost in the summer. 
and let him go to sort of a club that's in the bottom of towards the bottom of League One. It could have come to us, you know, a, a project that looking for playoffs promotion, you know, that was the next step up for him. But it looks to, as if he's gone almost a sideways step to to Carlisle. Yeah, I would agree with you there. A sideways step. He could even class. I know they're upper league, but you could even class it as a backward step with the size of the club and the eyes on you at Bradford. You're kind of taken out of the limelight a bit at Carlisle. There's no eyes on you, really, because um, no offence to Carlisle. If they go down, nobody really bats an eyelid because people expected them to go down. Um, but when you're at Bradford, there is eyes on you and you're always in, especially the media around Bradford. And I'm happy, like, like Ollie said, I'm happy they're giving it a go. But Luke Armstrong, I, I don't think, he, I think he's got one goal this season so far for Harrogate, obviously after his failed move in the summer. I can't remember where he was going, but he obviously had a failed move in the summer. I think it was Wrexham. Um, so he's not come in full of confidence and scoring goals. Uh, they signed Harrison Neal, a midfielder. Um, I think he was at Stevenage at some. Yeah, point. he was. He was. He was on loan at us, and kind of weird one whereby he kind of struggled to break into the side. We've got quite a lot of options in central midfield, and but every time, every time he did, he, he looked really tidy um, and. I sort of think that he's one of those that he'll go elsewhere and be and be adored. Mm-hmm. Um, just very sort of combative, striking the tackle, um, and just breaks play up nicely. I think Barrow, he, he, he was online at Barrow last season, and Barrow fans were raving about him. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he's, there's obviously a player in there that fans can take to. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think he might, he might be quite a big player for them. It sounds like to me they're also recruiting for if they go down as well like they've then got top players for league mm. two it's, it's a difficult one because obviously you've got to be happy if you're a carlisle fan you're making signings and spending money but money doesn't always bring successful results especially in a team that doesn't create chances already and it's got no confidence in it at all yeah it's only four wins so far this season for carlisle but only six points from safety like ollie was saying with um, the fact that it's so close down there, they've, I mean, they've only won four games, but it's only six points from safety. Like I say, it's it's one of those. They're bringing players in, so they're they're giving it a go, aren't they? At the very least, I, I don't think they, they can sit there as sort of like us from an outside perspective or Carlisle fans and say that they're not trying to get themselves out of the situation. So it'd be interesting to see if any of the new signings sort of prove dividend and push them uh, up the table a little bit. Um, the other one you mentioned, Sam, was Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln City, they're another team looking uh, to push themselves up the table a little bit further up. I think they're about 13th at the minute. Uh, and they've brought in a few attacking options over the past couple of weeks. Jack Moylan completed his move from the League of Ireland that was arranged in September. Freddie Draper recalled from Walsall. Obviously, we, we speculated about that a few weeks ago and that has now happened. Uh, he was in the team at the weekend and he was the strike partner to Lincoln's new number nine uh, on loan now. Is Joe Taylor on loan from Luton? He was at Colchester for the first half of the season, scored twelve goals. So they picked up Lincoln, Draper, and Taylor, two of the the better goal scorers in League Two, two of the younger goal scorers in League Two. Do you think that's a smart strategy that they've gone for that League Two level, the the, the young players that are doing well in League Two, or do you think maybe they should have looked um, sort of sideways in League One rather than looking down for signings? That that Taylor signing is very exciting. You know, it's it's quite smart in terms of uh, he, he played quite a bit for, for Luton last season. Uh, was obviously not quite cut for for the for the Premier League, but nevertheless still a great talent. So he, he spent first half at, at Colchester, uh, scored twelve, and then evidently, I think he must think that he can play at a higher level. Um, uh, and, and rightly so, you know that he's done a solid job so far in League Two. So the next step up for him is is a League One move, and he's got that. So I think it is very smart and equally exciting uh, to have a player that's still only twenty one, still quite young, scored uh, twelve goals in in, in twenty seven with Colchester in the first half, and hopefully he can replicate that form in the second half with with Lincoln. I think it's a great signing for 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 the Imps. I think for me, one of the things that I like about their recruitment in this window, I like a side where you can look at their recruitment and think, yeah, there's a plan there. And there's an, there's, there's an identity for what they want to do and kind of what they're looking to bring in. Um, you know, I think if you are a Lincoln side, you probably are one of the sides that are, you know, you 
buy in terms of sort of size and kind of stature of the club, you're going to have to do something different to be in amongst the Portsmouth and Boltons and teams like that. Otherwise, you will be, you know, your tenth, eleventh, kind of you know, where they kind of found themselves in the last few seasons. So, from, if I was if I was a Lincoln fan, I think I'd be looking at that thinking, okay, well, it's, a, it's a different approach, and and it's it's something that at least is a change in uh, in kind of system. And yeah, I, I think it's exciting. I think we've also got to remember that they've still got uh, Ben House and Tyler Walker still actually contracted to the club as well. So, you bring Freddie Draper back, who's obviously a Lincoln player, um, and you think, right, we've got these two uh, longer term injuries. We don't want another number nine to come in permanently because we're going to have three for next season. Let's get someone in on a short term deal who is quite an exciting prospect. Give them an opportunity to come here and show what they're about. And it gives Lincoln a very good name as well if a young player goes there scores goals to show they can develop players. And then these bigger clubs may look at them and go, oh, we'll, we'll send our youngster there. He's, he's playing well in scoring goals. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? In the, like you said, it's the, the short-term solution to the problem they've got in that Ben House is out for two or three weeks, a month, probably more, before there's a, he's going to touch a football pitch and Tyler Walker's out for the season. So it makes you don't want to bring in, like you said, another number nine that's going to cause a headache after the summer. Um <laughs> I know the interesting bit with Joe Taylor, actually, that's worth mentioning was about Mick Harford. who used to play for Lincoln back in the day. He's obviously the uh, very important figure at Luton. Apparently, he was really influential in the um, the move that pointing him towards Link, uh, to Lincoln and saying this is the place you should, uh, should you should go out of the teams that are interested because you know there were quite a few teams sort of searching uh, for him during sort of that first couple of weeks of the window. But it's an interesting one to see. Uh, how he'll do, isn't it? Like you've said, it's, it's a new option for Lincoln. There's two up front with Draper and Taylor is a bit of a little and large sort of combination. So I'll be at the game on Saturday against Derby. So, I mean, it's not the easiest game, is it? The first home game of the new year for them. But it'd be interesting to see if they can sort of show some signs of that there's something there with a new partnership for them. Yeah. Fantastic. So the last thing... Uh, we'll do as we did last week actually is football in row Z. We brought that back last week. In that, what would in sort of a room 101 sort of way, what would you pick as something to send to row Z? Get it out of the way. And I said diving last week, Sam. You threw us all by talking about <laughs> having to take your caps off bottles at football grounds, and none of us knew this was a thing apart from you. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what we come up with this week. Ollie, we'll start with you. What's your Thing or person or whatever to centre football in Rosehead. So my thing as a whole is fans' obsession with having to have some form of data just to back up any sort of opinion about a player. Um, which I kind I kind of say through gritted teeth a little bit because I I would sort of consider myself a bit of a data darling myself and and do look into a lot of the data side of play. But I just find like every conversation being brought down to, you know, how many assists someone's had or have they outperformed their XG and things like that. I just find that a lot more dull than just someone just having an actual opinion about someone's capability on a football pitch. I don't I don't know at what point we got to we got to a point where you you weren't allowed to say anymore that you just thought someone was good because they had an outstanding attribute or something that impressed you. It just feels like everyone has this a huge obsession with having to have some sort of data in there around players. And like, you know, there are there are players that like you you you're digging you're digging into all to, to, to all sorts of holes to try and find data just to justify that you like them as a footballer. You know, people, like defensive midfielders is always one, isn't it, that people can't pick out kind of an outstanding stat about, oh let's look at how many ball recoveries and made up bollocks, like how many jewels he's won. Like, like leave that alone and just say He's just very good at breaking down play and he wins the... Like, I, I, I don't need it. That, no, data is all good in that in, in recruitment, but you can look at a player's stats, but it's all in, about perspective. You've got to go and watch the player as well. Like, you don't... It, from stats, you can't tell if they've played a double pivot or a single pivot and stuff like that. It, you've still got to watch the player and go... Well, data in recruitment is obviously quite a big thing now, but you can't just rely on data for points i don't think personally yeah i'm 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 really happy with clubs using it and like it being central to everything they do to make sure that people are a good fit i think fans it being their go to for any sort of debate i, I can't have it 
I mean, the football have got this new thing. It's like it look, it's some sort of like diagram that shows yeah. like what percentile of players. I love it. it I, mean, I just love a start. It's like he's in the 88th percentile of strikers in that division. It's like, oh, it's fantastic. It's a little bit confusing because I looked at R1 and somehow Dan Ajay is in the like 99% of goal scorers. He's got two. Yeah, so I, like, I, I don't so really know I where they're getting that, yeah. that from. It was like a left back who scored one goal and he was like the best left back for goals. And I was like, that can't be true. Yeah. <laughs> Seb, how about you? Uh, well, there's lots of things that I'd, I'd get rid of, but I'll, I'll go with this one. Uh, short goal kicks. So when the two defenders uh, obviously just uh, just stand on, on the six-yard box within the box and the, the goalkeeper just plays it short rather than just kicking the ball, good old-fashioned launch up up the pitch... Uh, it's just just annoying because most of the time they try and play, play it out and then end up losing the ball anyway. Whereas if you kick it up, uh, you allow the players to push up further up the field. Um, even if you lose the ball, you're not losing it because it's just a couple of yards against your, your goal line. Uh, so that's my uh, yeah, Rose Ed. It's a it's a weird one that like watching League One and, and, and like lower like lower reach of the f- football league that teams kind of adopt that right. You know, the whole the whole the whole point of being a League One, League Two centre back is you're pretty shit with the ball at your feet, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like we, we do it very very. Uh, we do it loads. We get our centre half to pass to the goalkeeper, and then they all go out the pitch, and then the goalkeeper launches it to near enough the corner flag. It's like you've you've literally passed the ball two yards to your goalkeeper to move the ball three yards further forward to launch it. It's so oh. yeah, it, we it's just so annoying. Just boot it along, you know, play the long ball. You don't need to get any of this sort of uh, defenders messed about with it. Just, just, just cut it, do it on the pitch. <laughs> you need to yeah, start that's... watching Stevenage, Seb. It sounds like I was, gonna, I, I, I was yeah. just about to say, Seb. I cannot wait to remind you of these comments when you are <laughs> saw from the game on Saturday, and you're saying you hate teams playing it long. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah I also next hate... week you'll hate the long ball. That'll be his rose end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just change it up every week. I just alternate between uh, between hate and long ball and hitting the shot. But well, uh, yeah. The, the short goal kicks are just it's not for me. Sam, do you have another one after last week? Uh, mine, you'll be glad to know it's not about bottle caps this week. Um, and it will probably affect everyone, this one. Um, I've gone for ticket pricing in football. Um, mm. Especially at sort of, I know uh, Sheffield Wednesday charged like £45 for an adult match ticket. Um, West Ham, for one of their bottom category games, charged £60. So if you've got... Um, like a child as well, so that you're charging like £90, not including travel, food. So you're looking at 150 quid for an adult and a child to watch Premier League football game. I'll use us as an example for a Category A game. So Cholton on Boxing Day, we charged their fans on a match day, I think it was, £30. And I know we are London, but that is ridiculous. In my personal opinion, I know football wages are so high that they have to try and make revenue somehow. But Football is like a working class sport. Everyone, most people can relate to football in some way and it is their break from the world. And I, at this level, at League One level and League Two level, personally don't think a match ticket for an adult should be above £20. Mm. Football should be affordable for everyone. That's a a thing in the Premier League, isn't it? That they have the 20s plenty kind of rule for that. So why the the hell is that a thing for, 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 for that level of football? And that hasn't filtered down anyway. Just it makes sense. I can, I can I think only see trip to Wickham. It was like twenty six quid for an away ticket, and it's. I mean, you've got to get yeah. to Wickham as well, and it's just. I can only assume it's their it's their main source of revenue, sort of at this lower level. So they justify that to try and make them not lose millions and millions of pounds every season. But if you keep rising your price, I know inflation's high and everything like that. But if you keep raising your prices, people are going to go well. I'm not going to pay £400 for a season ticket this year because, I, number one, I can't afford it. And I now think it's not good value for money, especially if your team is shit. You're not going to want to pay. And we're all, like, most fans are loyal and they will want to pay it. But it's like, sometimes you look at it and it's like, I can't, I just can't justify it. See, I, see, I, I, I think we're the issue with this. I think in this country, we're pathetic and we don't, we, like, they, I, I fully believe that like they could like double ticket prices and it's like people would still yeah. go we're just idiots like we like there's just this 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 acceptance that it costs what it costs and no one ever bats an eye there was like, we're going i'm going years back here there was something in germany 
It, I mean, we're talking 15 years ago or something like that. I can't remember what a club it was, but they had something like the tickets were going to be increased by one euro or something like that. And there were protests by all the fans and no one went to the following game and no one went to the game until they until until, until they backed down. Imagine that in this country. Like, it, it just wouldn't be a thing, would it? No. no. Especially not at the Premier League because a lot of Premier League fans are, is tourism nowadays. Like, look at West Ham, for example. A lot of like I've got a couple of mates that go West Ham, and it is a lot of touristy fans now. So it's the Joe Bowen appeal, that one. <laughs> the Danny Dyer appeal. <laughs> the uh, so the one I'll chuck in at the end. It's actually it's something I said earlier. So when I sort of decided what my Rose Edfin was going to be, I, maybe I shouldn't have said it in the podcast. But I, the word project just that always gets talked about in football. And it's like like reporting on Lincoln, it's always about the project. And it's like, it drives me insane sometimes. It's just like, no matter what happens, you can just say it's part of the project. And the fans do it a lot, not not just Lincoln, but just in general. It's a it's a big thing about, got a, the, the, the pro, trust the process, the project, all of this sort of stuff. And it really just, it drives me insane sometimes that you can't just have a moan because it's all, everything's good because it's just a project and it'll get there eventually. And it seems to really... Grinds me gears that one. I I, I get that because at what point does the process end? At what point does the project end? You know, like when when things get bad, it's just still a, a project there. You know, what's the? Yeah, I I, I agree with you. To be fair, yeah. Because it's, it's usually project, after about three know. losses nowadays, isn't it? Before well, fans yeah, start yeah. Calling yeah. The managers out. Come on. <laughs> and then they start a new project with a new manager. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just sort of. I yeah, I'd not really thought of that, but that that's a good one. I'm sorry for bringing it up earlier. The work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Every time a manager comes in, it's always a project. No matter what club they're at, it's a project, and it's like surely it's just we don't need to say it anymore because everything's a project. So. That, well, that one really gets to me. Because more than the diving last week, I had a real good rant about. Um, <laughs> so, something a bit different there. Uh, but that'll do us uh, for this week's League One podcast on uh, Look Sports Media. Thanks, Ollie, Sam and Seb for joining me. And thanks to everyone for watching on YouTube or listening wherever uh, you listen to your podcast. And we'll be back next week for another episode of the League One podcast. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.